Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And we are so glad you are joining us for our summer series presented by Awana. And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about parenting, which is such a great topic when it's summertime. Kids are home. You're trying to figure out how to do your own rhythms. And now we're saying your kids are home and they need to be part of rhythms too. Yes. We realize that with kids home full time, we need all the help we can get. And yep. so we are feeling it on our end. And we thought, why don't we get some experts, some wonderful voices, counselors, all of the above in our ears this summer to encourage us while we're in the weeds with, you know, camps and commuting and travel and all of the things with, uh, and snacks. Can we just talk about snacks? Summer yeah. and snacks is like nonstop. And watercolor. Yeah. And crafts. And, yeah. And some version of water. Schedules. Some cool and sprinklers. Kids need to be outside so they get their energy out. I mean, there's, there's so much that happens in the summer. And it's also one of those great moments where you get to stop and reflect. You get to kind of take measure of how your children have grown, like Mm -hmm. all that they've accomplished. And then also think about the year ahead and where are we going as they enter into either that new grade or maybe like in our case, we're sending off our 18-year-old to college. And so you're, you're preparing them as parents. And for all of us, it's a different season. Some of you have littles. Some of you have the preteen years. Some of you, it's teenagehood. Some of you have adult children and probably could add a lot to our life uh, if we could hear you talking. But we're going to have the whole group of people. We're going to invite all kinds of guests that are going to help you come from all these different perspectives, from grandparents, parents, new parents. And I think you're going to just love hearing the conversations. Summer for me is always like a transition reset. Like I'm going to be the best mom this summer. We're going to just do all the things. And um, you famously have had our kids make their list, like their top 10. Here's what I want to accomplish this summer. We start strong with a schedule, (laughs) summer reading. We get through about Um, six of them. I know. I'm like, if we can make it a week, that's goals. (laughs) But I did the math last night, Gabe. It's Eight weeks. It's less than eight weeks. Actually, when this comes out, it'll be seven weeks till we drop Pierce off at college. I know. So basically, we're going to, you might hear like a few sniffles through this series because basically the series is going to be the countdown. Um, but it's, it's truly that season of uh, expectation, transition, a little bit of fear, <laughs> yeah. um, and sadness and loss, but also it's bittersweet. It's like you're so excited to launch. And so uh, not everyone has a kid going off to college, but you do have all, all have kids that are in transition, which makes you in transition. And um, Gabe, I'm curious, what's your favorite personal summer rhythm right now? Um, because this is a change of pace I'll, for I'll tell all you, of us. My, my favorite summer rhythm is not having to get Kate on the bus at 6.50 a.m., yes. which every morning is my job. And, you know, I'm, I'm usually up that early anyway, so it's not that that's a problem. It's just there's a commitment for like 30 minutes at that hour of the morning to just move someone forward. And with Kate, it can be really slow. So we take yeah. our time and Everything have to go to through work. the process. I have to be really mentally engaged. And what I've loved about the summer so far is getting to wake up in the mornings whenever I want and having just space where he sleeps in. And, and he's sleeping in, isn't he? He's 20 it's years old. Best. He's sleeping until like 9, 30, 10. It's just so we funny. We are fans. We are fans of so, sleeping in. <laughs> so you, we're going to hear from every type of parent 
you could imagine. And I'm excited for our guest today because they are a couple that have, count them, seven children, seven kids in this family, all under the age of 12. So for any of you listening out there, you've got two, you've got three, you've got five, and you thought you had it tough. You're going to hear from a couple that not only have seven children, but have lived a life where they've had to travel a lot. There's been a lot happening in their lives. And so we're going to get the wisdom from them about how they've done it. So I'm going to share with you the husband and his background. So Ben Watson, some of you have heard of Benjamin Watson. He's a first-round draft pick, Super Bowl champion, the New England Patriots, played for 16 seasons in the NFL, which is an amazing and long career. But he played for multiple years, multiple cities. And in addition to that, he's a passionate leader. He's somebody who talks about his convictions. He's the kind of man that has stood up on the areas of abortion and talking about what's happening in our country around issues and topics like that. He's also spoken into the race conversation very publicly. And so Ben is a man that's a man of character who lives his life in such a way that I think other men, husbands and fathers, would want to model after. And then also Kirsten, his wife, who was a former Fortune 500 company employee who left that career and has found a way to not only be the wife of a professional athlete, but also lead a family. She describes herself as the CEO of a family of nine. They both host a podcast called Why or Why Not with the Watsons. But today you're going to get to hear them up close and personal about how they think about children, how they think about their own summer rhythms, how they lead their family, how they've structured it. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So let's listen in now. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hello, good to be here with you all. I know. Well, we are so excited and been looking forward to this conversation with you guys because you you are like hero parents to us. Um, any, <laughs> any, anybody? And, hey, listen, I know, but when you're raising kids, when you're raising seven kids like you guys seven. are doing, you're heroes. Yes. And I know every day doesn't feel like you're killing it and doing it the best and you're making mistakes, but I know everybody listening We'll be encouraged just hearing more about your story, but but we kind of want to get the backstory here on you two and how you met. Um, and of course, Benjamin, you've been playing football your whole life, but Kirsten, not a lot of people have maybe heard your journey as much. And I want them to, to hear your journey because we know behind these superstar hero football player men, there's an amazing woman. And uh, we want to hear more about that. So So let's start with you. How did you meet Ben? You know, it's funny. That conversation is always a funny one. How we met. We actually met at the University of Georgia and 16 years into marriage over almost 20 years knowing him. I think I look back. I think it was the year that I played softball. I ended up walking on um, as a preferred walk on to the softball team at University of Georgia through a lot of things that were not under my control and was asked to come on and basically run the bases. And that was the year Benjamin transferred from Duke. And I remember thinking once I met with the coach and we were meeting with my parents, we got in the car. And my first thought was now I can go to FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was a club that I was a part of in high school, but going to the University of Georgia and not being an athlete, there was no way I was walking in with a bunch of collegiate athletes to this. So it was something that was really hard for me my freshman year not being a part of. But going into my sophomore year, one of the things I was really excited about being a part of since I was going to now be playing softball. And lo and behold, I get a chance to meet Benjamin. And we are at an FCA meeting. We're talking about how to have a godly 
dating relationship and Benjamin stands up and says, you know, my dad always said that your relationship has to be like a triangle. You're at one side, she's at the other side, God's at the top point. And the only way you can get closer is if you're individually seeking God. And I remember him sitting down and me leaning over to my softball teammate and saying, what is his name? You know, and that was my first, and that my everyone was like, everyone says, you fell for it. You, you, know? you fell know. for that? I did. I did. I was like, well, if his dad is speaking to him about a godly relationship, there's a plus yeah. right there. There's, there's somebody that I would like to get to know. So that is really my first time um, hearing from Benjamin. And that was the first thing I remember coming out of his mouth. And so that's, that's what drew me in for sure. Then you had her at triangle. I love exactly. it. I love it. You, you don't forget that once you've heard it. Yeah. But I set the bar too high on myself. So now like every time, you know, when I'm screwing up and screwing up in marriage and parenting and life in general, it's like, dang. Yeah. She calls me on it. She's like, where are you exactly in that triangle? <laughs> exactly. Where exactly. on the line? Where on the line? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So then how long did you guys date? And what did that look like? What did that season look like for you guys? You want to go? Yeah, we dated. For, yeah, we dated for we dated for uh, really about three years. I mean, it's funny because your parents always kind of know. So supposedly, as the story goes, uh, we were about to finish up. I guess it was our junior year or so of college, and my dad came uh, to help me pack up some things so I could come home for a few weeks before coming back for summer school. And he met Kirsten, and supposedly he went home and told my mom, "I just met Benjamin's wife." Wow. And that, like dads always try to know stuff, but I think my dad really does. He really does have that direct line to God sometimes. And so uh, we dated uh, officially our last uh, year of, of college. Our first date was at the dining hall. I told her she could get whatever she wanted to get. It was on me, um, on a meal plan. And then um, we graduated together in 2003, um, sat beside each other. I was finance. She was marketing. So we were business school together. She went to go work for Home Depot Corporate right after college. I played my fifth year um, of football and then got drafted in 2004 to the Patriots. And um, we ended up getting married after my rookie year. And and making our home in Boston, Massachusetts, in the in the yeah. cold north. That's right. So the New England Patriots, you're a first-round draft pick coming out of college. That had to be super exciting. But, of course, in your marriage and your relationship, knowing that your journey, Kirsten, meant you were you didn't know where you were going to go. Then you knew where you were going to go. You're in Boston. And I, and I know over these last many years of a 16-year career, that's meant you move into multiple cities. When it all began, did you kind of know that's what you were signing up for? No, I had no idea. I, I hardly knew where New England was. I was like, where exactly are the New England Patriots? I don't even know what that means. Um, so I had to, I quit my job and moved up to a place I'd never been and did not know a single person. So, you know, it was at that point that, no, I really had no idea what we were signing up for. I don't know if Benjamin really knew what he was signing up for, but um, the average career is three to four years. And so I knew I married someone above average. So I was like, you know, maybe he'll make it, you know, seven, 10 years, we'll do this and then we'll start our lives. And so 16 seasons in, wow. <laughs> I was not prepared in any way, shape or form for, you know, the life that we had and the moving and the, um, the excitement and the low time, all the things that come with just life in general. And then um, being in the NFL, I, I, I was not at all prepared for that. And, you know, I look at where we are now, you know, we've never been close to family. Family always had to be flown in for, you know, grandparents day or a birthday or something special. And so 
you know, I think that has made us stronger as a couple, honestly, because we really learned from the very beginning to do this thing together and to figure it out and to not run to anyone but the Lord, really, um, in times of trouble. So, I mean, looking back on it now, I wouldn't change it for anything. But during it, man, I probably sure would have changed a couple of things. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a good thing you did not wait for his career to end to start having kids because <laughs> you you would still, you know, you would not be up to 40 seven. Years old. I'd be right? 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm just curious, um, how did you make that jump? Because you knew you're like, we're all in uncharted territory here. We don't know how long this is going to last. And I'm sure every year you had to revisit some things or make those decisions on family planning or what do we want to do for trusting God's provision and timing, obviously, in light of this career as well. So when did you decide, like, we're just in the middle of all this, we're going to start to have kids. Did you start? Did you decide that pretty early on or was it kind of certain circumstances that kind of helped catalyze that decision? Yeah. Um, and I'll, Benjamin, I'll let you kind of Take out. Like when, it's funny because when we went to marriage counseling before we got married, the counselor said a couple of things that were like head turners. One of them was, you know, how many kids do you want? And both of us agreed on four. We knew Benjamin comes from a family of six. <laughs> I come from a family of two. I knew two was more than was not enough, so to speak. And, I just, and Benjamin said six is too many. So somewhere we said, you know, a good Christian family can have four kids. That sounds yeah. like we'll, we'll get to heaven on that. Um, so we decided on four kids. But when we got married, we knew we weren't ready to have kids immediately because we were still trying to figure out if we liked each other officially. Right? Sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sure. I didn't know if I, I didn't know if I wanted to return the sender oh, or what. Stop so. it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> so we, we waited and, you know, Kirsten started working um, for Northeastern University nonprofit. And so she was working in the city of Boston. I was, you know, working down in Foxborough. And, uh, and so we, we really, I mean, one, one great piece of advice that we did get as well is, is that we needed to, to learn each other and and learn, you know, how to be married and just, and really just and really just enjoy being married without kids. Look, everybody's situation situation is different. Some people have kids coming in, some people don't. Um, but the point is that you know, as a married couple, we needed to enjoy you know our youth and enjoy um, traveling and and working through the the problems that we were having. And 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 you know, there's a book that I was reading that said marriage is not necessarily meant to make you happy. It's meant to make you holy. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, pruning that was going <laughs> on during that time, to say the least. Um, and so we waited about three and a half years and then started having kids. And I like to say we went straight two-minute drill. We had four kids in literally four and a half years. Kirsten was pregnant or nursing or both simultaneously for like five years of her life. Didn't remember what her birthday was. It was wow. it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's, and that's tell awesome. me about that season. <laughs> I mean, it's how did you, how it's was your marriage in that? I mean, did you have support? I mean, obviously for that, that is a blur. Um, yeah. did, did you feel like that was a testing season because it was so intense? And if so, how did that play out in your marriage? And the reason why we're asking marriage questions, because we know how directly that impacts parenting. Um, yeah, and sure. sometimes some of our conflict has been about parenting. Gabe and I always talk yeah. about the fact that we would never fight if we never had had kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just curious how that season impacted you guys with all that, that amount of intensity. Yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, we were like, I remember being 37 weeks pregnant when we had our first move from Boston to Cleveland when he got um, 
picked up by the Browns. And so I just remember thinking I had a good life in Boston and now I'm starting all over and I've had to change, you know, doctors and everything. And so it was high. And then he left to go to training camp. Uh, And so after (laughs) I had the, I'm like, and you're leaving now. And then we had three babies in three years. And then we moved when the, the fourth one was literally born the day after he signed with the new Orleans saints. And so then we move with, with the baby, the fourth baby is like two weeks old. And then he leaves again to go to work. And I'm like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it was super stressful. Um, but I do think like I have, I mean, it was definitely, I would call it pride early in the, in the beginning, um, my early twenties and thirties. But it, I realized that at that point, like the Lord really was giving me the power to, to do the things. Um, and the prideful part came in not asking for help. Um, but somehow, I mean, Benjamin has been awesome about, even though he had to go to work, when he came home, he was helpful um, and would see my face and be like, okay, I'm, I got this. Like he's never, he's never been one to um, be home and not be present. And so that helped a lot. I was like, I can make it till he gets home. Cause when he gets home, I'll have help. And so, you know, of course our parent, our moms have always, when there's a baby born or training camp, have always come in to help and support. So it's not that I was, completely out on a desert, like, you know, by myself, but it it sure felt that way um, at times. And so we just had to really be intentional with our conversation and when we needed help and and when I was, you know, needed him, especially um, once he came home from work. We're so thankful for our partner Samaritan Ministries that helps partner with families, hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who care for one another through prayer, encouragement, and financial support for medical needs. It's such a unique solution, and it's biblically based to trying to provide for your healthcare needs. Connects you to other Christians who support you spiritually and financially when you experience a medical need. It's affordable, and you can join today. And the way it works is you have the opportunity to submit any of your medical bills when a medical need arises. You choose the healthcare provider you want, the treatment that works best for you and your family, and then Samaritan Ministries helps cover those bills and pays you directly for those bills. Online resources are available to you 24-7. You have access to medical professionals by phone, email. You can get medical advice before you even visit the doctor, saving time and money. You can also price medical procedures and also choose a quality healthcare provider that you're happy with. So as you consider all of your options in caring for your medical needs, consider Samaritan Ministries, and you can learn more at samaritanministries.org slash podcast. Again, that's samaritanministries.org slash podcast. So I know you call yourself the CEO of a family of nine, which makes a lot of sense. I'm sure a lot of moms listening now feel like they're the CEO because you're running everything, every kid's schedule in life. You're trying to manage travel, vacations, um, all the errands, all the food that's needed. I bet you're, I bet you guys have multiple fridges. You have to, you probably already had multiples for Ben, but, but run, run us through right now. So what are the ages of your kids? Run us through all seven and what season of life they're in. So we have, uh, we have 12, 12 year old and 11 year old girls, uh, nine and eight year old boys, five year old girls. And then we have identical twin boys that are two. And so it's funny, you know, well, not funny, but when Chris was talking about moving, but she was talking about moving, you know, we moved to the last team, you know, we started in New England and ended in New England. And, you know, we had the twins in April of 2019. And then literally by the end of that summer, we were moving across the country again um, with identical twin boys. 
uh, the rest of the kids all the way back up to Boston. And then I went to training camp and Kirsten was left alone. And, and on a serious note, you know, we had, we had two miscarriages before we had uh, the, the twins. And, and, and we've talked about that a lot because a lot of people have dealt with that. And, and it's, it's one of those things where a lot of people suffer in silence when it comes to miscarriage. Uh, we, as a, as a church community, really as just people in general, don't quite know how to comfort, don't quite know how to address the issue of miscarriage. And it, it um, touches so much of our lives and so many people. And so we experienced that. So we never had six kids. Like I said, God made us go right from five to seven. So I got to be more specific <laughs> in my prayers next time. Yeah. Um, but, but we get to new England and, and we, we don't have help. And Kirsten struggled um, emotionally. Um, you know, it was lonely. I went to training camp and then we are, and then it, it put strain on our relationship. And, you know, there are certain decisions that you make in life and you look back and say, you know what, maybe that wasn't the best one for my family. And there have been a few where I can look back and say, you know what, that, that might've been the most healthy decision for our relationship. Um, but one thing we have learned, um, and experienced, I will say is that, you know, in retrospect, looking back, we see how God was always faithful mm-hmm. and something that we've tried to impress upon our kids is that, um, you know, you move from place to place, depending on what your occupation is. We all go through different hardships. Look, we're not alone in this. Around the world, people are going through different types of things that we can never imagine. But God has always shown himself faithful to us in providing a home, providing help at the, at the time where we're at our breaking point, you know, providing schools. Uh, our kids have been in three schools in the last year. They went to three schools because we moved. We had COVID. They changed schools. All these sorts of things have happened. Yeah. But they're part of our, of our story. So when you guys think about parenting with children in all these different seasons, and clearly you have some emerging teenagers, and I know the people listening, we've got children of all ages of people um, listening, and, and they're, they're we're all trying to figure out how do we just do the best we can while we can. Like the seasons go fast. We have an 18-year-old about to go off to college. We have a 20-year-old. So you start to just see how quick the years go. And I think what people would love to hear from you guys is just some of that wisdom uh, that you've gotten right some of the time. We know it's not all the time. None of us are perfect parents, but would love to hear from each of you what what in these last 12 years with with children, what has been one of those principles that has just been so paramount for you when you think about the limited time you get to invest in each of these children? What, what is your approach to that? And, and what are you finding as the most valuable thing a parent can do with their child? I would say you're probably, probably going to say some of the same things. Um, one thing is we are we try to be very, very intentional. What do I mean mm. by that? We're intentional that we are the parents and um, we're intentional with the time that we spend with them. We're intentional with recogn- like taking a step back and saying, OK, like what could we change? How could we make this better? And actually com- having a conversation together about it and then going to the kid and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do as a family. So a lot of things that we do with our kids are not necessarily things that we grew up doing. Some of them are, but they have our spin on it. And so I think one thing we realize is that everybody is different. And how my house growing up and Benjamin's house growing up is very different from the house that our kids are growing up in. And so, you know, how do we take some of the things that we really did enjoy or some of the things that we would change and, and make it make it work for our family and for our seven, all completely different people, kids, right. <laughs> um, different personalities, different, you know, wanting to talk about feelings, not wanting to talk about their feelings. And so we really, I feel like both of us get pushed a little bit out of our comfort zone because we are trying to make sure that one, our kids have a um, identity that's in Christ 
um, and that they have it for themselves. And so it's not something that they're like, oh, mommy, and daddy will pray for us. No, no, you have to develop your own relationship with Jesus. And this is what and this is what he says about that. So we're just being very intentional, like even when it comes to like what they eat, what time they go to sleep, that they do go to sleep and that we are able to still <laughs> be adults and be husband and wife and understand that, you know, the line of command, like it's God, then it's us, then it's you guys. And so how do we do that? Well, well, it, it, that, like you mentioned earlier, um, about our time with the Lord spill and our relationship with the Lord spills over into how we parent. And so being very intentional with all of those has been something that I feel like we've done and we really do our own thing. Uh, we've definitely gotten wisdom from a lot of different families, but we've really had to say, Hey, what, what are our personalities? What are our strengths and weaknesses? And then put that into action when we think about our plan for our family. In a moment, I'm going to come back to you because you're the CEO and I, I want your CEO hat on to help <laughs> other parents know, you know, how do you manage seven individual children with the different needs emotionally, different sports, different things? Like I, I want to hear practically, do you use a calendar? How do you do it? But before we do, Benjamin, what's, what's that one insight from you that you bring with with you into your parenting moments? Well, well I think this is um, specific. Well, it's, it's not solely for, for fathers, but I think, you know, just in the in the cadence of life, you know, m- many fathers are out of the home um, more than mothers are many times. But parents in general, I think, sometimes feel inadequate when they're, when they're not there or when work calls them to different places or just even if you're going to the nine to five every day. But the most important thing um, that I've tried to remember is something that was told to me that, you know, you need to leave work at work. And before we had kids, a teammate of mine had kids and we were about to have our first child and I was terrified. I mean, I'm the oldest of six, but that didn't mean I was ready to have my own kids. And so I'm asking guys around the locker room, like, what is it like? You know, what, you know, give me some advice. And he said, you know, what? when I pull up in the, in the driveway, whatever happened to me at work, whether it was good or bad or indifferent, I take off that hat. And when I walk in that door, I can't allow what happened at work to to taint my relationship with my children from a, maybe from an anger uh, management standpoint or my, or my relationship with my spouse. Um, because at home you are father and you are husband. You, you're not football player. You're not, you know, CEO, you're not journalist, you're not plumber, uh, you're not florist, you're not any of those, those sorts of things when you walk into that door. And so, and then the, the other thing real quickly was just that you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just need to be present. That's good. And so, and so when you're there, we, we need to do our best and we have to check ourselves all the time. We have to do our best to be present with what's happening in the home so that we can plug in uh, to our children and to our spouses um, and, and give all of us um, at a time, you know, what it's very difficult. We're all busy in different ways, but we have to prioritize and we need to be present. We don't have to be perfect. Yeah, yeah that's good, man. I love it. Just being present because I, we're all going to make those mistakes. And so we've got to Mm-hmm. enter into the equation knowing that God can make up the difference. But when we show up and leave all those other hats behind, we can fully engage and fully immerse ourselves with our kids. Yeah. I love the. Um, we're going to jump into pragmatics because I know, um, I know a lot of listeners are going, just give us some handles. Not that, like you said, you, you took advice and then you kind of created your own family values and your own, your own, um, things that you're like, this is, this is, uh, what we're going to be about. And this is what it's important to us. So it kind of leads to a question I have that I'm going to segue with a question Gabe just asked, which is as you parent on a day-to-day basis, 
what is the litmus test for what is essential and what is non-essential? Like focusing on like these are fundamentals. These are what we're going to always care about, um, not compromise. I know you already talked about identity in Christ and their own spiritual life with God and and making their faith their own. So beyond that, in a day-to-day, like just kind of, again, back to values or virtues, what are some of those essentials? And then what are some of the things where seven kids, I mean, come on, you're going to have some stuff. And then, and what do you not let get out of hand as far as like you, you just let it roll a little bit, you know what I mean? Cause you, you can't, you can't take on everything. <laughs> and I just think that's a helpful thing. Cause I think sometimes for me, I can, I can maybe focus too much on things that are less essential in, as far as the character building and more just about my personality and the way I'm wired. And so how do you, how do you discern that as you navigate all these different personalities, but ultimately what you guys feel like the Lord has entrusted to you as parents? Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's an intense question. I think for us, like we just recently realized like, you know, how do we want to focus our time and what's important to us? And we've cut, we have a family verse and not saying that we would never, ever add another family verse, but it just kind of helps direct what's important to us about how it's Micah 6, 8. So it tells us how we should be walking, how we should be acting and what we should be about. So that helps with the character thing. So if we're going to act justly, so then what kind of characteristics does the Lord think is important in order for you to act justly? And so those are walking humbly. Um, and so our family verse helps us to always have something to come back to, truth to come back to, to help us to determine what's important. I'm like you, like, guys, make up your bed. <laughs> like, the little things are big, right? To me, it's like, I just need you to act properly at the dinner table, whatever. But some of that is personality, is not sin, until you're being disobedient. So um, just kind of being able to recognize, you know, what are things that are just annoying because of your personality? And for me, it's like picking, I mean, if every person leaves two things out, like mm. that's, that's a mess. And so just. <laughs> I hear Ben, I hear Ben. He's, he must be he's the, the he must be is the he, organized is he culprit, guy. Is he a culprit? <laughs> no, he, no he's, he's like, you know, cause he probably, he hears me like saying like, listen. I just, I just leave, I just leave my drawers, you know, not pushed in, but that's, Which I've been doing so that for 40, for, for, for 40 years. So. <laughs> yeah. So I can't get on with that. I have let that go. But yeah. And there's, like you said, there's some things that you just have to let go when it comes to your husband and not closing drawers and cabinets, <laughs> but other things for your eight year old, like, dude, put the stuff in the laundry basket. So, you know, there's a certain things that's like, you know, that, you know, again, you have to know your, your personality bent, the things that are important to you, what makes your house run well. I talked about schedules, maybe, um, and the different personalities. But one thing, everybody knows what's going on. Like, I feel like we do, we make sure that the kids know, like, this is the expectation and we show them what we mean. Like, if I say at a certain age, like, I need you to make your bed. And then I can't go in there and get mad at how I'm just saying, like, understand the ability and the age. Right. So mm. making a bed is a good one because everyone has to make their bed. And so just with my five year old, the expectation is different from my eight year old, which is different from my 12 year old um, and and not going in and doing it for them. Um, but showing them that that's what I'm using that as an example, but showing them what I mean when I say you are responsible for cleaning up the table after you finish eating. What does that mean? Yeah. Let me show you. Yeah, okay. I, I think Kirsten sells, sells herself short a little bit. She is the, the queen of, of calendars. And so especially <laughs> during summertime, she has 
everything laid out. Everybody knows what time everything's supposed to be. She incorporated a digital calendar. So I encourage parents <laughs> to get that. That actually is is sitting there on the on the countertop that has inputted everybody's stuff. I got fussed at several times for not putting my stuff on the public calendar so that everybody knows what's going on. So that's one thing. Another thing, practically, I would say for parents, even when it comes to nap times, if you have little kids, um, one of the first things that we got was the stoplight. Now, the stoplight yeah, okay, turns okay green when it's... Okay to wait. When it's, it, it, yeah. Is that okay to wait? When it, the stoplight turns green when it's time for you to get your butt out. Do not come out of the room unless you are bleeding or dead. Then I guess you wouldn't come out of the room. But establishing, but establishing that you know that that practice of of nap time and and say okay, this is when you can come out. Screen time is something that we've talked a lot about recently. And how do you manage? You know, screens, phones, uh, video games, computers. And, you know, we try to limit it to to the weekends and then we limit it to a certain number of hours. And then we kind of tie it to, okay, you need to read um, X amount of minutes before you play your screen time. Dinner time together is something that as Mm -hmm. our kids get older and you guys can advise us on this because you have older children, it's going to get more difficult, you know, as they have more and more um you know, things to be involved with. Uh, but that's something that we try to make a priority is, is having dinner together every mm-hmm. single day. And by that, I mean, you know, sit down and, you know, we're going to talk and eat dinner and try to make the twins not yell and scream and throw things during the dinner. But we're going to make the practice of being yeah. together, you know. Yeah. So those are just a, a, a few a few practical things that, you know, I, I think that will help parents. Um, yeah, those are great. You know, just, just to create order in their house. Yeah. yeah, I have just one more that's super huge for us is putting people to bed at night. So mm. we, yes, we have friends who us. don't, we have friends who say, oh, well, my kid likes to stay up late. And and listen, this is just where it works. This is what makes us happy is our kids all go, we, we have dinner at the same time and then they go to bed they, in, at 7.30. And so people, and listen, my poor children went to camp and never knew what the stars looked like until recently. Like, wow. <laughs> These are the real stars are. And like, or, or they're driving out late. They're like, wow, the lights are on the cars. You know, they have no idea. But it's fine. They'll have the rest of their life to see that. But it allows us time when they go to bed or they're in their room without coming out and they're reading for us to be adults. And so it's important for them to get rest. But it's also important for me to get rest and to do something with my husband by ourselves, whether it's watching a TV or talking or whatever but like establishing a nighttime, a bedtime routine, regardless of how old people are, um, has been a huge help for us because I we, we look at each other at 630 and we're like, we can do this for one, one more, more hour. hour. <laughs> yes, we are counting down the minutes <laughs> to when we are landing the plane. So that has been another practical thing that's been super helpful for us. I think that is brilliant. Um, I'm not sure my 18-year-old would be up for that at this point. But, what, but I think it's so good because kids can really rule the calendar if you don't establish that up front. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you guys is the clarity of expectation and intention is freeing for kids ultimately because they understand that it's not chaos. There is order that you're pursuing and you're diligent and consistent in doing that. And so it's not like a surprise that all of a sudden on Tuesday you have to go to bed at 730. It's, it, there's a consistent rhythm there that 
I agree. I think those tired years are our life coach. Pete Richardson always talks about like the tired years are in the thirties. I feel like they're still in the forties for us as well, but, Mm. but that you really are, there's so much physical output going on. And then as they get older, there's so much emotional output Mm -hmm. and you, you can, um, burn the candle on both ends in that if the, our teens are staying up later, and um, our youngers are getting us up earlier. We're like, wait a minute, where is our time? Because a kid still feels the most stable if the parents are solid in their relationship. So I love that you're just giving us all permission to not let our kids see stars <laughs> until parents, they go to, to camp. And I'm to fine. Be, I'm to fine be, with that. Yeah, you're giving us permission to be parents. And I think that's the thing we all need to hear in a culture that pretty much says, no, be your kid's friend. Just yeah, kind of hang out with them, let them do what they want to do, affirm everything that they enjoy or whatever they like or, or what, wherever path they're going down or whatever friends they're hanging out with. I get the sense as parents, you're intentional and you're going, we're going to create our own little boundaries here, our world. We're going to help you grow up in a family culture that's healthy, that's going to respect one another, but it's going to enjoy life. And you're preparing them to enter, enter a world that might operate a little differently, but they're going to come into it with confidence. Yeah, and you're doing it in the framework of biblical authority. Like you said from the beginning, it's God and then us and then you guys. It's like we are trying to steward what God's entrusted to us. So it's not like mom and dad are the bad guy. It's it's that God has actually given us this wonderful privilege to steward the years we have you and before we launch you. And our goal is that we will actually launch you, that you will exactly. not stay home forever. <laughs> um, and so as a result, it you know, I know for all kids, there's can be moments where they push against that. There is there's a need to control or need to kind of like find their own footing and their voice in the middle of that. But still the security of going mom and dad are united front and they're doing this before God, then that brings a little safety. That brings a lot of safety actually for them to go, I can trust this. So Kirsten, tell us a little bit about your work with mom life today, because everybody's hearing pretty great mom. And I want them to be able to follow more of what you're talking about on Instagram at mom life today, but also momlifetoday.com. Tell us more about what you're trying to do with moms there. Yeah. So I just think, well, I, what, what I didn't know, like I mentioned earlier, we kind of do us, if that makes sense. And so when you step out and start giving your, people will always ask me questions about how do I do this? How do I do that? But man, mama bears are, don't poke the bear. Okay. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you don't want to offend anyone by giving suggestions or saying what, what works for you? Because I really do feel like there's a lot of mom guilt as well, because when things don't go right, we tend to feel like it's our fault. And so as a result, it's very hard sometimes to have conversations. And so Mom Life Today was created not by me, but was created 12 years ago by a lady named Trace, Tracy Eister. And she has graciously given me the platform. And now I've had it since January. And basically, it's going to be a, as we move more towards you know, what I'd like it to be. It's going to be a place for moms of all types. So regardless of age, ethnicity, um, moms, military moms, moms that work, moms that don't work, all the different types, a place for all of us to come and just glean from each other. There's no, you know, there's no right way. It's, it's the way that works for your family, but we always go back to truth and what the Bible says. And it's a place for us to get refreshed and to come and be together and hear and learn from other moms that have done it either before. I mean, the the biggest, the greatest treasure I have is a mom who has high schoolers right now because I'm learning what they did with their middle schoolers. And, you know, we should always have someone, a mom that's ahead of us, a mom that's with us and a mom that's behind us. And so it's just going to be a plate. Mom Life Today is a place where you can come 
and read great articles from uh, amazing women and also hear from other moms that might be going through the same thing that you're going through, or maybe a mom that is going through something you never thought you would go through, but maybe your kids are friends. And so it's just going to be a, a great place for us to connect and come together. So yeah, check out Mom Life today. We're, love it. we're here for you. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Well, we are so thankful for your voices. You guys, listeners, you can hear a whole lot more of this because they have their own podcast. We're just scratching the surface here. There's a lot of wealth of information here. So anyone who is jotting this down, uh, go find their podcast, Why or Why Not with the Watsons. You'll get a lot more of this, a lot more counsel, a lot more camaraderie, um, some support. Um, And our goal is just to equip parents this summer in the summer series uh, that you are. You are the parents for the job. You are the moms. You are the dads. God would not have entrusted you with this gift if he wasn't going to equip you, bring people around. And the Watsons are those kind of people. So make sure you check that out. Ben and Kirsten, thank you so much for being on today. We could go on and on, but we are so grateful to watch, not just um, what hear what you're saying, but also watch how you're living. Like your life is a witness in the way that you're training your kids up. And so we're so thankful for you having you on. Thank you for having us. Thank you both. We appreciate you as well. Yeah, man. We're going to be taking all this advice. Kids are going down at 730 tonight. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> This summer series is brought to you by Awana, and Rebecca and I both have loved Awana ever since we were children. We grew up in this program where we were learning scripture. The Bible was always a high priority in our life, and we did that from the earliest of ages. And today, it might look a little different for you about how do you incorporate scripture? How do you incorporate these big conversations about the way in which your children ought to operate in the world. And so simply knowing where to start with at-home child discipleship can be the biggest hurdle, and we know that. And so Awana has created this incredible program called Bright Families. Bright Families, B-R-I-T-E. Bright Families, you know exactly where to begin to help your kids know God and His Word. Each week you get to explore a Bible story, discuss it with questions to help strengthen your kids' faith, and apply practical activities to practice what you've learned. Bright equips you to help your kids navigate a changing culture, shape their identity in Jesus, and impact the future of the church. And when you go to their website, there's a free trial. There's a way you can experience what Bright looks like. But for those of you who are looking this summer and saying, I want to incorporate a rhythm where I bring my family together and we have a significant conversation about Scripture and how it relates to our life and to our world Bright Curriculum is going to be the way that you can do that. They're going to partner with you and help you do that. So start today with your free sample of Bright by going to brightcurriculum.com slash families. That's brightcurriculum, B-R-I-T-E, curriculum.com slash families. Wasn't that great? I know. I just love it, and I love the practical advice. It's pretty impressive what they're accomplishing with their seven kids. They all make their beds. All seven of them, yeah. which means nine people make their beds every morning. I am. I like how they, though, you know, Kirsten was just saying she trains them. And yes. I think sometimes I fall down on that. Like I do want my them. kids to do it. I tell them to make the bed, but I don't stand in there and take the five minutes to go. Now, this is exactly how yeah, you do it and how them. we want you to do it. So I'm taking that away as something I'm going to work on Good. this summer. How about That's you? Did awesome. you get anything? Yes. That I'm going to watch summertime? you train our kids how to make their beds. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be in bed at 730. Yes, we are. Okay. I think it's just, and then Kate will sleep until nine. So it'll be like, oh, 15 hours. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> bedtime. Um, well, we hope you guys 
love this. We are so excited for the interviews coming up. Make sure you subscribe if you want to share this with all your friends. Hey, here's some summer tips, summer series on parenting. Just join us um, and have a great week. 